This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. So we all know what basically happened. We know that Yaakov and Esau grew up. They both grew up. They became, they were 15 years old at this time. And then it says that Yaakov made a certain dish. It does not say what. Yazed is the washing of Bishel. So it seems that he cooked something. And Esau came from the field and he was starving, tired, weary, however you want to word it, something that's to do with he, was, he needed food immediately. Something that he needed immediately. So, the question first of all is, what was Yaakov Avinu cooking? Why was he cooking? What was he doing in the kitchen? So Rashi says in Tehillim Kuftes that on that day, Avram Avinu had passed away, and Yaakov made this dish of lentils in order to console his father Yitzchak. Now that's what happened. Avram Avinu passed away. This is what he did. The Rabbin of Achaya points out that an oval should not eat his own food on the day of the burial. So he shouldn't eat of his own food. We call that the Sudat Havra'ah. The Sudat in which you feed the person who had passed away. So Yaakov made the lentils for his father Yitzchak. That's what ended up happening. Yaakov ended up giving it to his father Yitzchak. Targum Yonason says the same. That Avram had died on that very day. That on that day, that's when everything had happened. And this is the idea of what Yaakov was doing. There is no hint to this in the passage. We mention Avram Avinu's death at the end of Parshish Chai Yisara. But age-wise, this is what happened at that time. The Rabbin Bechai says, why we do lentils based on the measures the Gemara Bobavasra Tazayan that they're round to show that the world is a circle that goes around and comes around people live people die right and they help that helps the oval accept his fate that he's not the only one that this has happened to and there's another reason that lentils have no mouth just like an oval can't speak so too the lentils so too with an egg we have the minig nowadays to really make eggs so we don't do that so the oval can't speak so the Orachim is a very different shot in what was happening over here aside from Avram Binu dying he says that Yaakov noticed that Yitzchak Avinu was showing favoritism to Esav because of food. That Esav would feed his father Yitzchak, and that's why Yitzchak loved Esav so much, because he kept Kitsayid Bethiv. He took his hunting, his game, and he gave it over to his father's mouth. Says the Orachim Akadosh. so Yaakov Avinu said, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to give food to my father Yitzchak, and I'm going to see if he loves me the same way he loves Esav. Just like Esav feeds him, and Obviously, we know that the way to a man's, man's, uh, man's heart is his stomach. So I'm going to do the exact same thing, says the Orachim HaKadosh, to try to gain that favor. That's the second shot that we have in this idea. The Medrash HaGadol says, this shows you the greatness of Yaakov Vinu. What a Medrash. It says, there were many servants in the house of, of, of Yitzchak Avinu. Many servants that were there. It's interesting because we don't see those servants. We assume that the servants are there because they had people that were digging the wells, etc. We don't actually see it there in front of us. Oh. The we don't know what happened to them. The assumption is that they stayed. Yeah, the assumption is that they stayed. But either way, the Medrash Gadol said there were many servants there, and there were people that would do anything for the son of their master. They would do anything for the son of their master. But nonetheless, when Yaakov Avinu would come home late from the base Medrash, this is the wording in the Medrash, when he came home late from the base Medrash, and everyone else was sleeping, he wouldn't wake up any of the servants to make him dinner. He made dinner himself. That was the my 
title of Yaakov Vinu, that he made a good husband, that he was still able, he was cooked in the household, and that he took care of himself whenever he needed to make something. That was the idea. And it just happened to be that one time when Yaakov Vinu was making his own dinner, Esau came in, and that's when he was starving. That's the idea from the Medjah Gadol. The Rabbeinu Ephraim said there are two merits, two schools, that Yaakov and his children have to take the Bechor status away from Esau. There was the Torah that they learned, and the Sanhedrin that they judged people correctly. Torah and Din were the two reasons why they went through. Both are hinted to here by Yozed. Says Rabbi Nofim is a gematria of 27 for the 22 letters of the Torah plus the five extra letters, the Pesofis, Kopsofis, etc. So that's one. And then Nazid is 71 for the numbers of Sanhedrin, referring to Tzuzuchuyo. So, so far, we have three reasons why he was cooking. Avram Vinu Zabelos, or because he wanted to show favoritism, try to get the favoritism of Yitzchak Avinu, or because he was cooking on his own. And the Rabbi Nofim hints to what it is, but the Malvin says a crazy shot. He says the idea of the Bechor, the whole idea of the Bechor, is that the firstborn were separated. They were allowed to work exclusively in their Abodes Hashem. They were, so to speak, Kolel guys. That they sat there and they worked as Kohanim. They learned all day long whatever it was that they had to learn back then. They did what they were supposed to do. The Bechor, not only that, but he also had to take care of his father's house. His father and his mother, as they aged, he would take care of them. Although he wasn't making Parnassah, although he wasn't doing the Parnassah thing and giving them business or whatever it is, he would take care of the household, making sure that whatever needed to be had would be had. The other brothers, all the other people of the household, would pay the older brother to take care of all of them. And he, for that reason, would get the Bechor. He would get a second portion of money to be able to take care of his father and mother as they went older. He would get that. Obviously, the father passed away, so it would be just the mother or whoever else was in the household at the time. He would get a second thing to do, and that's that. Yaakov Vinu had no desire, says the Malvin, for the honor and the money. I think we understand that, and I think it's obvious from the very, very end. When Yaakov Vinu left Yitzchak to go to Rith- to go find Rivka's family, Lavan, in order to marry Rachel and Leah, when he went out to go find them, it's clear he didn't take a penny. I know the measure says that Elithaz took everything from him, but it seems from shot in the Pusuk that he didn't take a penny. He wanted to show, I want nothing of the prestige, of the honor, of the money that comes with the Bechor status. The only thing I want with the Bechor status is that I want to take care of my father and my mother. Meaning, we all know that Esau was a mate, was the man who was in charge of keeping up the aim. The guy who was machabed his father like no other person had ever done before. That he would dress up in Shabbos clothing to do Kibudav in front of his father. We know that that's what Esau was like. But Yaakov showed true Kibudav. That whenever his father needed something, when his father needed something in the future, he would take care of it. He was promising, I will take care of it, I will do it. Says the Malbim, that's the Shabbat. When Esau shirked his responsibilities in the house, ran out to the field, was hunting and pretending that he was taking care of his father, and then showed the little bit of favor when he went in to go see his father, Yaakovina said, I'm here all day long. I want to take care of my father. Esau, you don't need the Bechor. Let me take care of Dad. You can go out into the forest and do whatever you want. Let me be able to do it. That's the shot. Yaakov was the one, says the Malvin, it had nothing to do with Abelus. Nothing to do with showing favoritism. Yaakov was the one making food because he always made food. Yaakov was the cook of the house because he was the Bechor. That he considered himself the Bechor. He was taking care of everybody. So by Yosef Yaakov Nezid was not a one-time thing. Says the Malvin, it was every night. He took care of his father. He did what he was supposed to do. And that's why Yaakov said to Esau, what's the point of you having this status if you're not going to use it? If you're not going to be the person taking care of the household, let me do it. I'm cooking anyway. I'll do everything. That was the idea, says the Malvin. 
And then the shot says the fifth shot that says that has nothing to do with eating or feeding him at all. There was nothing, nothing that had to do with actually feeding him lentils or anything like that. He was cooking up a plan. This is the wording of the shot. This is one of the, the, the Talmudim of the Arizal. Cooking up a plan, thinking of a way to be able to get the Bechor right. He knew that Esau hunted all day. He knew that he came home hungry every single night. He ate meat constantly, because that's what he hunted. And he took care of all the all the proteins and the carbohydrates that he could get. So Yaakov Avinu made a dish that he knew Esav had never seen before, he'd never heard of before, a lentil soup. He came up with a plan where he'd make Esav sit there and say, you know, I could use a good soup tonight. I'm too used to the meat that I'm having every single day. I'd love to have a little soup. I'd love to have this. He specifically made some type of a dish to be able to convince him to make him intrigued and make him willing to sell his Bechor rights. So this whole thing, the Shach says, was a put-up to be able to try to get Esau to sell him the Bechorah, but not because of any other outside reasons like we mentioned before. That's the idea behind it. That's the shock itself. The truth is, there's a Gemara. It's in Baba Basra Tessainim Abayis, and it says the conversation that Yaakov Esau had, it's a strange conversation. The conversation is that Esau comes in and asks why Yaakov is cooking lentils. What are you doing? Why are you cooking these lentils? And Yaakov answers, because the old man has passed away. We've heard of the Zuckin. The Zuckin has passed away. He does not say his father Abraham. Now, I, I could learn that up in two different ways, but let's assume that the reason why is because it is usher to tell over bad news in such a way. It's a Gemara and When somebody passes away, you want to say it in a way where you're not the one, the bearer of bad news. When someone passed away, you try to say it in such a way where it's not there. So he said an old man passed away, so he didn't have to say directly that he was the one to say that Avram you know, passed away. That's one way of understanding it. The other way of understanding it is that everybody called Avram the Zucking. In fact, the coin in which Avram you know, had coined in his lifetime that the Gemara Babavasra speaks about says that on one side of the coin it says Zucking, and on the other side of the coin it says Yelet referring to Zuckin Avramino and the Yelid was referring to Yitzchak but the coin said the word Zuckin so apparently Zuckin was the name of Avramino that's how I understand that I would assume so also maybe you're saying like Zadie like Zadie just passed away yeah maybe it's possible it's a possibility that's a third shot as to what's going on I'm sorry yeah 100% 100% yeah they're, they're totally opposite shot. I'm just saying that that's an idea of how it, how it ended up working but the problem is think of that answer, think of what Esau was asking, and think of the answer. Esau asked, why are you cooking? And he said, Zadie just passed away. Hold on a second. That's not answering the question at all. Do you think Esau knew the minhug of cooking lentils for somebody who just passed away? Meaning, it's true. I guess in theory they could have known that minhug, right? But it seems like Yaakov made the minhug. The whole minhug comes from this. Exactly. I think that Yaakov made it. And Yaakov created the concept. So what Esau was doing is, what are you doing? And he said, Zadie just passed away. That's not answering my question. My question is, what are you doing? You say, I'm cooking because I don't want Yitzchak making food for himself. I'm giving him food instead. That's what the proper answer is. Or you should say, the minute is to eat lentils in the first meal after the burial. That's what you should say. But to say, Zadie passed away, that's not enough. That doesn't explain what you're doing. That doesn't explain anything at all. So the Ian Yaakov says that Esau was asking something else entirely. The Ian Yaakov is the Ain Yaakov. He has two different parts. The Ian Yaakov, the, 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 there's the ATO stick, there's the, he has different parts to the Ain Yaakov itself. The Ian Yaakov says that his assumption 
Esau's assumption was that Avram Avinu would never die. That was his assumption. He had a stone around his neck. The Gemara Babasra says, Hashem Beirach is Avram Bakol. According to one shot in the Gemara, he had a stone around his neck that healed anyone that was sick. That anyone who was sick would look at the stone and they'd be healed. Now, all the Mephorshim take that to be that it's a medrash and that it's not to be taken literally. It wasn't literally a stone, especially since the Gemara says, what happened to the stone after death? Well, he put it in the sun. Well, clearly, that's not meant to be in a shot way unless that's a crazy throw. But I, I, there's... I, that seems to be it's a metric. So what does it mean he had a stone around his neck? He had a way of speaking to people that were sick. He had a way of dealing with them that made them feel better. That's the shot behind it. But Esau took it literally. He has a stone around his neck. Avram, you can't die. If it heals all the sick, if he's sick, he'll be healed by his own stone. There shouldn't be a problem. So he said lentils. The reason why they're made is because it's a good food to have once every 30 days. It's Kamara Brachos Men. A good food to have once every 30 days because it helps a person save himself from a disease called Ascara. Ascara is the worst death a person can have. Out of the 903 deaths, it's the worst thing that a person can have. You should know that. Right? So it's 903 deaths. That's the worst one you should have. That Ascara is some type of strangulation where a person basically chokes on their own breath. It's a disease where he can't breathe. And therefore, this lentil soup, somehow, it goes down the throat smoothly that allows you to not have that problem. The sickness goes away, so you should have once in a while. So Asa was saying, why do you need to cook lentils. That's what he was saying. Can't Avram's stone heal him without any medicines? He was assuming that the soup was from Avram was for Avram Avinu. To which Jason was asking, why would you need that? The soup is unnecessary. You just could have a stone. To which Avinu answered, Avinu passed away. The soup isn't for him, it's for Yitzchak. That's the idea behind it. It wasn't about trying to say that this is the minute. It's trying to answer Esau's question, which was a different question than we thought that it was. Because that's making sense then. Why? What's up? Yeah, this, why, how did he pass away if he has a stone then? So, meaning Esau's question right. still is a strong question. There's three answers to the question. Number one is, in chabush matir asurim. A person who is in jail cannot get himself out. The rayas and brachos, Hamlet bays. Rabbi Yochanan saw that Rabbi Elazar was sick. He went to go visit him, saw that he was sick. And he said to him, give me your hand, gave him his hand, and he got him better. Then Rabbi Yochanan was sick. The next Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan was sick, and Rabbi Yochanan comes to visit him. Right? Rabbi Yochanan says, do you want the sickness? He said, no. So he gave him his hand and gave him. So the Gemara says, why couldn't Rabbi Yochanan heal himself? If he healed Rabbi Lazar, why couldn't he heal himself? A person who's in jail cannot release himself by, in, from jail on his own. He's, somebody else has to help. There has to be a tefillah from somewhere else. You can't do it to yourself. Now, I know we say we daven for ourselves, but it's literally, there are certain, let's call limitations that a person has regarding himself, that's one reason. The other reason why he wouldn't be able to heal is, again, this stone was able to help, not literally, although Esau took it literally, it meant that he was able to speak to people, he was able to deal with people, and that didn't help for himself. He, Mamish, was sick and he was dying. And that's number two. Number three, it healed sicknesses. It didn't heal death. It didn't mean that people wouldn't die. It's not that Avram, you know, every time somebody was dying, would go up to him, show him the stone, and everything was there. So, you know, I read by uh, Elena Shabbat from Yusuf Zilberstein once that the Ksav Sofer one time when somebody was sick in his town took out the handkerchief that he used to wear he used to wear I forgot what they're called ascots I think that's what it's called he wore an ascot so he took out the ascot 
and he gave it over to the person that, that had been ran up to him and asked him to daven for the sick person. Some random person, some guy in the town. And he gave him the Ksav Sofer. The Ksav Sofer's son, Rav Avram Sofer, Rav Avram Shriver. So he took it out and he gave it to him. He said, put it by this person to like wipe up the sweat with this ascot. He'll, he should be fine. So he went there and he gave it to him and he did it and the guy was healed. And he said that the greatest refuah that a person can have is Torah. And since I use this when I'm learning all day long, all my sweat when I'm learning goes into this, that means that my sweat has the ability to heal other people. So first of all, that's awesome, and I wish my sweat healed other people as well. Right? But number two, that shows that he felt that there was a healing property just to learning. Maybe that's the idea behind it. Okay. Why was Asaph so tired? It says by who you ate. He was tired. What does it mean that he was so tired? What was he tired from? So the Chizkuni says the simplest pshat. Hunters going after prey and running in the field all day long, chasing after and then stripping off the skin and doing whatever they have to do, are exhausted. They're absolutely exhausted by the end of the day. Sometimes they get lost for a day or two. Sometimes they don't have enough food or drink while they're in the forest and they have no idea where they're going or what they're doing whatsoever. So by the time they come in from the fields, they're exhausted. He couldn't move. So this time, Esau had been lost in the fields for a few days. He came back. He's tired. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He, he, he came in and that's, that's when he came up to Yaakov and he asked. That's the first shot, Pashup shot. The Panach Raza, it's also a Rishon, says that he had something called Bomus. Perhaps you've heard it from the Gemara. Bomus was a stomach ailment in which if you don't eat immediately, you could go crazy. Your eyes start to go wild. You don't see in front of you. A person could go blind from it. That Bomus, if you get this, you should feed him anything, even non-kosher food, if the guy gets Bomus. That's one of the lines that you should do, even on Yom Kippur, if a woman gets Bomus from something that she has, you're allowed to feed her anything that she wants. You're allowed to slaughter for such a person, almost is a serious sickness that took people by surprise and was over there. Gloria even goes through certain Amorayim, what happened to them when they got Bomos. It's, it's a crazy little thing. So that's the idea. It's in Yuma Pei Gimel as a side note. The, yeah. If that's the case, then why was it that uh, Yaakov sold it to him? Oh, give me a second on this. That's why he called the lentil soup something red. Because the sickness dims your eyesight. It dims your eyesight and he couldn't see anything clearly. He would have died if Yaakov wouldn't have given him anything. And he was too weak to do anything but be fed the soup by Yaakov you know, pouring it into its mouth. And that's why Asa said, Halitani, no, pour it in. I can't move. He couldn't move, he couldn't see, and he had to be poured this soup inside his mouth. So the Kasha then just now applies. So what's Yaakov you know, taking advantage of him for? That's like a true Jew move, isn't it? Like, what in the world? Like, he's starving, he's dying, and then all of a sudden you're taking this food, and you're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll let you live, but you got to sell me the Bukhara. Like, I mean, what else do you want to give me your shoes off, though? <laughs> you know, so like, what kind of a move is that? Why would he do this? The Benishchai answers that question by saying, if you notice in the Pasuk, it shouldn't say the who ayes. And he was tired, he was hungry. It should say, Vayavo Esav min hasada. Esav came from the five field ayes. Tired and weary. The wording of the who ayes, and he was tired, is strange wording, says the Ben Ishkai. So he says, the extra who is to tell you the following. Esav was the first person to contract, contact, contract, contract, this disease. The first person to have ever gotten it before. No one had ever had it. So they didn't know what it was. He was so weary and hungry after hunting and doing everything, he was willing to do anything to get food. And in fact, says the Ben Ishkai, he offered it to Yaakov, although the Pasuk 
Pasuk doesn't seem to word it that way. He offered it to Yaakov. He said, I'll even sell you my firstborn status for some food. Now Yaakov didn't realize that he was dying. He looked at him and said, okay, this guy's crazy. I don't know what's going on now, but he's willing to sell the firstborn right for lentil soup. Has anybody ever had lentil soup? Yes. Okay, so you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I haven't had good lentil soup ever. Ever. Okay. Not the best. Not the best. I'm going with, I'm still going with chicken soup. That's my number one. Potato soup, potato leek soup. That's all. That's pretty, I'm, I'm going with that. I, I, it's, it's something in my top 70, but it's not, so lentil soup is not something that somebody's going to sit there and go crazy on and say, like, I will do anything for that soup. Yaakov Avinu had no idea what he was doing. So therefore he said, it's going to go ahead. And here's the shot. Then that should make it into a Mekah toast. Because if he's selling it, thinking that he had no idea what was going on, what's going to be right there, what's happening, how would they know whatsoever? The shot is... The bread that he gave afterward is exactly that. One of the pshatim that they say is they gave the extra bread, that they gave him a little bit more stuff, that extra stuff was given to him, that there was more being sold. Yaakovino even wrote up a contract. That was the contract of Ma'aras Machpelah. Remember that Naphtali ran to go get when Esau was complaining outside of the cave? There was a real contract made, so it showed that Esau was there. According to the Ben Yishchai, when he went in, he said, I'm telling you right now, I'm not considering myself an Ones. I'm just starving. He didn't think that he was so sick, but the Pontiac Raza says he was sick. He had almost, but nobody knew. Nobody had any idea whatsoever. Didn't know what he had contracted. That's the idea behind it. Yeah. The, the, the meat that he got, wasn't that cooked also? The meat that he got, meaning the, the stuff the, from the from the from the game earlier. You're talking different times. This time at 15, Esau didn't come back with any food. Oh. You're talking about later on with the Bechot, with the Brachos. That's at 63. Oh, yeah. It doesn't seem to fit with the Pesukim, which says at the end, which means that Esau was like, it wasn't a desperation move or, uh, or because he lacked any um, alternative. Why? He didn't care. Call like this. Why sell the Bechot instead of something else that he had? He had the beautiful cloak, the the the, the big day Hamudos that he had. Why sell the Bechot? Because he hated that more than he hated the coat. Fine, take whatever you want. Oh, clear. Yeah. Agreed with that. Agreed with that. The finish guy's a little off on the band. As a Raya for it, because you could say, okay, like, I really need this for my health, but even though I need it for my health, why do I need it anyway? Because of the fact is that why do I need this Bechorah anyway? Be little, maybe that That's true. Ali's point that he said before was exactly the same thing. That Vayivah Zesah Bechorah is where all those Midrashim come through that say that he clearly showed he didn't want it afterward. That's where the reason why the bread came in or there's something else at the end. The contract that was there, it's from Vayivah Zesah Bechorah. That's where they learn it up. Because why mention that at the very, very end? It means because he was saying, I still hate the Bechorah. And even if Yaakov would go up to him afterward and say, you want to take it back? I didn't realize you were dying. Asaph said, Vayiva says the Bakora. No, I, the Bakora means nothing to me. It means, it's, it's worthless to me. That's what he was saying. I hear the Kasha, but nonetheless, it's there. The tour says a different shot altogether. The Yaakovin was shepherding his sheep in the field. I don't know how that fits into the words by Yazed Nazid. I don't know. But the words Yazed Nazid are weird. We said before that meant he was cooking something. It could be there's another wording over here. The tour says, the, not the follow tour, but the tour, that he was shepherding his sheep in the field, and Asaph, who had been lost, for days, found Esau in the field. He had already resigned himself to death, Esau, and thought that nobody would find him. And the only thing that Esau had was the little bit of whatever it was, the soup, whatever he had on him, he gave to Esau.
of while they were in the fields together. It didn't happen in the way that we all know it as. The Mian Loe says that Esau told Yaakov to feed him the lentils even though they weren't even finished cooking yet. Now that was the idea behind it. That he was willing to do it right then. He was so agape. I'm so tired. I just want to eat something right now. Just give it to me. I don't care that it's not ready yet. Just pour it into my mouth while it's still a third of the way cooked. And we all know that's Mako Benjru Soy. According to Gemara and Shabbos, that's the amount that it has to be cooked in order to be considered something that is cooked, so to speak. One third of the way cooked that goes for Hilkos Shabbos. I always thought that, that I, my, what I always, I, I, my idea behind it was that Esav would have stolen the food if he wasn't exhausted. The point behind the Pusik saying, he was so exhausted is, if not for the fact that he was exhausted, he never would have had the chance to sell it to him because Esav would have grabbed the food and ran. The Huayev tells me he was so tired, he was like, I, I don't have the, I'm not in the mood to steal it and run. I just can't do that. I, I'm not in the mood to do it. So that's how I always learned that Huayev is just simply put, he was too tired to do anything else. Yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, the whole thing now seems like so strange, this whole story, because like, if you live like in your parents' house as they were at the time, both mm-hmm. of them 13 years old, if something's cooking on the stove, you can just, you know, you know at least where I grew up, you can doesn't matter who was cooking, my older brother and myself. Not considered yours. Oh, yeah, you just fuck yourself to it, but why does he have to ask permission? I don't know what it means to be living in the same house. You know, we're talking about tents. So could it be that we're referring to a tent that uses Yaakov in his tent? A tent over anything. Maybe it was. Maybe it was considered something separate. He was only 15, but 15 back then could have been an age where they were living on their own, doing stuff on their own. It's a possibility, but yes. Normally, that would have been the deal. Normally, it would have been belonging to the house itself. So basically, he says Asa was faking it the entire time. Pretending to be sick, pretending that he was going, he was just at a tremendous taiva. He knew that Avram Vinu had passed away. He knew what the lentils were being cooked for for Yitzhak Avinu. And he wanted them so badly that he faked it and said, Oh, I'm so sick. I need to eat right now. Give it to me. And because he was faking it, Yaakov Vinu took advantage of the situation and said, Oh, you're so sick? Sell me the Bechorah for it. I mean, once he did that, once he saw that he was faking it, he went right back at him. That's what the base of the lady says. So it wasn't like he took advantage of his brother, but rather did it in such a way that he showed him. He didn't think he'd even say yes, maybe. But the Al-Kurvani quotes a, a psikta that tells us when Esau came back from the field and heard the news about his father, grandfather, Avram Vinu, he got upset. And he said, do you think that Avram is going to be buried and be brought back by Tzchias and Esau? And Yaakov said, of course. And Esau replied to that, it can't be. If Midas Adin struck my Vedi, the great Sadiq Avram Vinu, then there must be no Sarva Onish in this world or the next world. There's no point to living, no point to being in this world. Since I'm going to die anyway, I might as well give up everything in this world. Nothing matters to me anymore. I just want to deal with food, drink, and anything else that I want to do here, and that's that. To which Yaakov said, then if you're really giving up on life, after Avram Vinu died because you're so upset, then give me all the Rukhnias. You can have Gashmias, I could care less. Give me all the Rukhnias, and that's what it means, Ayyaf. Ayyaf does not mean weary, it means tired and confused. He was upset about what had happened with his father, his grandfather, Aparavinu. He was a yate that he didn't want to deal with life anymore, with, with, with anything that had to do with spirituality. He couldn't believe anything was out there. That's the way of learning a yate. What do you got in the time? Sounds like I heard somewhere that uh, when it says, he, I'm going to die, so I'm going to let him move. Mm-hmm. Like that means, like, not like right this moment, I'm about to die, so give me some food. But rather, I'm going to die any, yeah. Die. The whole point, like, what's the difference? The whole world doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Very good. Hanhien and Rashi says that he just committed murder. I'm sorry? You drink and be married. You drink and be married. Right, so we die. Where's that from again? Mishlei? Was that in Kohelis? I don't remember where that post is. Either way, Rashi says that he had just committed murder. 
Rashi says he just committed murder. As it says in Yirmiyaki, I'm ready to kill. Ayyaf is the word of murder. That's why he used Ayyaf and not Ra'iv. Ra'iv would be hunger. But it shows Ayyaf that he killed. The Be'er Basada says that since later, Yaakov, Esau tells Yaakov that he's Ayyaf. He says, Ki Ayyaf Anochi. Why would the Pasuk have to say it here, Vahu Ayyaf? We know Esau's going to say it later on. So why do we have to say right now, Vahu Ayyaf? To tell you, this is what he did. The second Ayyaf is, I'm hungry. The first Ayyaf is, I just killed somebody, or he just killed somebody. That's what the Be'er Basada is trying to say over here. The Maral Diskin understands it a little bit better. He goes down and says, It should have been Vahu Ayyaf Minaderech. It's, it's not mean a sudden, it should be from the road that it's on. The fact that what he did in the field, he killed in the field, is min means he killed while he was in the field itself. And towards Mima says it's fine, because whenever we talk about somebody like Asaph, you can add on any tilkul you want. You can say bad things about him and just add on bad things, because we just assume that he's bad. So you can just darshan as much as you want on it, and that's perfectly fine. But Targum Yonas then adds to that and says that he did five terrible sins on that day. Number one, he murdered an innocent man. Number two, he committed a Bodhisattva. Number three, he was together with a Nara Murasa, which is interesting. Lots of different Rishonim on what that means. Was there such a thing as a betrothed girl by non-Jews at that time? Is that a concept or is that not a concept? But that's number three. Number four, he denied the world to come, Olam Haba. Number five, he made fun of the Bakor status. Now there's no question, number four and five happened after he heard about Avram Vino. That's from the story itself by Yves Esav is a Bakora, and the fact that he said to Yaakov, you know, I don't believe in crime and punishment. I believe, that's that. Okay, I understand. I understand those two. But the other three happened seemingly beforehand. So why would Rashi only mention one? Why did Rashi only mention murder? So the Mizrahi says Rashi goes with the one that's closest to Pshat. The other four he felt were too crazy. Murder, he feels that that could have been understood from the Pasuk itself. The Huayet that he had killed, it's possible you can get that from the Pasuk. And therefore, because that is there. I think from how the Be'er Basada put it, or maybe the Maral Diskin, the wording of it should have been Vuayev Min Haderech, or from the fact that Vuayev is not necessary since he says it later on. I think those are the two, but the Mizrahi doesn't explain, but he feels that that's the closest in Pshat. That's how the Mizrahi puts it. Miamoli said that he stole on that day, he adds on a sin over there. Okay, and that's that. And there's a tremendous review on his here, but there's a little bit more to that. That's, we won't deal with that right now. The Ksam Sofer says that we all know why Avram Binu passed away. Avinu passed away when they were 15, said he wouldn't see Esau do any sins. Now this seems to be a catch-22. But Esau said, the reason why he's going off is because why? Because Avram Avinu just passed away. If, how could Avramino pass away? There must be no judge in this world. So that makes no sense. Avramino was killed early so that there wouldn't be, and he wouldn't see anything wrong. But if he wouldn't have died, Asa wouldn't have sinned. That wouldn't have happened. So what does that mean? Fine, what are you going to say? Or you could just say, um, like, maybe Adam would have gone blind or something, just like you Very good. Still, still been around, but not have seen something like that. But that's, that's listen, the Medrash says that he couldn't be around to even hear what Asaph was doing. To even hear it. Right. So, I mean, he couldn't be around for that. That would have been sour for Avram Avinu. Therefore, he died five years early because of that. But if you don't kill him, then you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about anything. What's up? between doing sins and thinking in your mind that there's no Adam and no God. So for instance, Asa before could have been, okay, like, I know this guy, but I have an Asa you know, I murder, I steal, but after Avram, he's like, there's, there's no more Avram, there's no Interesting. So you're saying that the taivas that allowed him to do a sin was not 
indicative of what kind of a person he was. Abraham could deal with his, you know, with his grandson doing Katayim. Everyone does Katayim, but to say that no, that was all Hava, I, I, you know, when it comes to Stam, since I guess I hear that, when we're dealing with Yuri Arayas of Odazar and Shlichus Daman, I don't know if that would apply. I mean, obviously, there are Taivas that allow you to do it even though you might still have that Amuna and Akadosh Baruch but Avram Yinu may still have considered that a tremendous Tsar. Something that he kicked Yishmael out for when he was starting to do Yilash Shlichus Daman of Odazar, I feel like that could be, it would apply over here as well. I hear the answer though, for the other, t- for, for the regular sins, I definitely can hear the answer. For this, maybe you can use it, I, I'll use it as a secondary answer. I like it as a secondary answer. So the Ksam Sofer tries answering by saying there's a Sisei Chachamim. Sisei Chachamim says that Yitzhak really went off at the age of 13. At the age of 13 he started doing badly. And he says at 13 he did private sins. He did sins without anybody knowing about it. At the age of 15 he started doing publicly. He started sinning publicly and doing things that were wrong outside in front of other people. That's how he says it. So the Ksam Sofer says like this. When Esau had started sinning at the age of 13, he had been together with married women. And there was no way to tell that Esau had actually been together with a married woman, because even if the married woman had children, it's possible those children were from their husbands. There was no way to prove that Esau had done something wrong. But at the age of 14, Esau was together with a betrothed girl. The girl had not been married and had not been together with her husband. When they had suspicions that Esau was together with her and that lady became pregnant, only when she gave birth and the rumors took flight, the kid looks like Esau and there's a betrothed girl who had not been together with her husband before, then all of a sudden everyone said, Esau's a Russian. It's not that Esau was together with the woman on that day. It's that the woman had given birth on that day. The woman had given birth on the day that Avram Vinu died. Avram Vinu, if he would have been alive, he would have heard that his son, his grandson, Esau, had given birth to a great-grandchild, and it wouldn't have been a Mazel Tov. That's what he would have heard, and that's why Avram Vinu had to pass away. Meaning, that wasn't the issue. He had started sinning. He didn't publicly sin until 15, and the public sin the first public sin that happened was the fact that a child was born to Asa from a random woman who was already betrothed to another girl on the day that Avram Minu passed away. Had Avram Minu not passed away, he would have heard about this. That's the idea. And that proves that all the other rumors beforehand were also true. If this is true, and that he had been together with this betrothed woman, then probably everything was true. On that day, everything became public. Everything was there. But the Bar Yosef takes it a little bit further. The Bar Yosef says, so how do we explain? I thought you just said that Avram Yinu dying was the reason why Asa went off. So the very Yosef says something so simple. I try to tell this to people all the time. And it's really, Daniel, it's really what you just said. The very Yosef says, emuna and bitachon is not the issue when a person sins. A person can have a, a real emuna and real bitachon. He believes in a Kaddish Baruch Hu, he knows a Kaddish Baruch Hu is there. But when the taiva brings you to do something, it makes no difference that you believe in a Kaddish Baruch Hu. You just want to do it. Nothing else matters. I don't want to care about anything else. I just need to do this. And I know a Kaddish Baruch Hu is there. I know I'm going to be punished. But I can't get myself over this hate. And maybe there's a little bit, but the question is, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it that I lost my amuna and bitachon and therefore I sinned? Or is it that I sinned and I lost my amuna and bitachon? Here, the psukim are trying to tell you that Avram dying was the excuse for Esau's behavior. But Esau was already going off without Avram Avinu dying. And the proof? Esau had already killed and had already committed adultery 
before he heard about Abram Binu dying. Only after he heard Abram Binu dying did he say, you know what, there's no din, no dying, no tchiyas amesim. He blamed it all after he had already sinned. Because now he felt guilt. Now he felt guilt. And when he saw that he had something to blame it on and say it's not for Abram Avinu, then he blamed it. So the shot is, if Abram Binu would not have died, Esav still would have sinned. So Abram Binu had to die so he wouldn't see the sins. But Abram Binu's death was a cover-up by Esav for his sins. A cover-up to say, here's the reason why. It was his excuse. Rechaim Salvechik was once approached by a guy. This guy came up to him and said he was once in yeshiva. He'd been in yeshiva for a long time. He left the yeshiva and started doing his own thing and unfortunately went to the reform side, started doing tremendous averes. So he went to Rechaim Salvechik and he said to Rechaim, I have questions on Amuna. I have questions on Amuna. So Rechaim Salvechik said, before I talk to you, answer me the following. Do you have these quest did you have these questions before you before you sinned, before you went off, or do you have these questions in Amuna now? So the guy, to his credit, admitted that, you know, I never had these questions until I went off, and then I heard things from the reform side, and then I started having these questions in Amuna. And Rakhaim said, Then I can't answer you. And listen to the reason why. You're not asking questions. You're answering your own behavior. I can't answer an answer. I can answer a question. But you're not asking anything. You're excusing what your behavior was. And excusing your behavior, you can't give an answer to that. You can't do anything. So Rechaim refused to speak to him, refused to answer any of his shilas that he might have had. I'm going to go through one medrash. And I know it's late, so I'm just going to say it out quickly. There's a Revolson over here. There's two Revolsons that are beautiful about how Nimrod and Esau, Nimrod and Avram seem to have died on the same day. But listen to this. The Dostokanum says that the person he killed that day was Nimrod, who certainly wasn't an innocent man. So I don't know why Yonason Mazil said that he killed an innocent person. But either way, he killed Nimrod. If Esau was hunting in the fields, Nimrod found him and told him that he, Nimrod, was the only person who could hunt in these fields. No one else is allowed to hunt here except for me. So Esav went and took advice from Yaakov, said, what should I do? And Yaakov told him that Nimrod's power was in his cloak. Make him take off his cloak, and then you can kill him. Esav did that, and he killed him. That's what the Dasakanim says, what the Dasakanim says, the Balitos folks. So I found this message in the Sefer Yasser and the Seder Adoros. It's a different version, but it's an interesting version. After Avram Avinu died, so it's interesting, right? Because Avram Yosef said that he had did all this, the murder happened before. But after Avram Binu died, Esav went out into the forest and went hunting. Nimrod had his strong men there, he had a whole army of people, they were all hunting together in different parts of the forest. At one point, by the way, it's also strange, because Nimrod would have lived very far away from Esav. <laughs> Unless Esav had traveled a tremendous distance, or Nimrod had traveled a tremendous distance, I don't know where this forest is. But maybe the land is different from where it is today, maybe the deserts today in Saudi Arabia were forests back then. What is I don't know. He's like, if he's even alive at this point, it's hard to say. Unless you're dealing with a son or a grandson, someone who took over the power of Nimrod and was just called Nimrod. That's that. I'm sorry? Yes, he was the king. Whoever it was, he was the king at the time, and he had the big Dechamudas, as we'll talk about. So either way, Nimrod had heard of Esau, and he was, a, he was jealous of him. Jealous of him because he heard how he's such a hunting prowess, as well as his connection to Abraminu, so he hated Esau, and Esau hated Nimrod. Esau saw Nimrod first, and started hunting Nimrod instead. When Nimrod separated with two of his guards, went to a certain part of the forest, Esau hid by a certain place, and right when Nimrod came by, Esau 
Esav jumped down out of the tree that he was in, or by the, the bushes that he was in, and cut off Nimrod's head. It wasn't even a challenge. Right? Then, he saw the guard. It seems he might have killed his son also. His son's name was either Chior or Hanok. Then, he went ahead and killed the guards, but the guards let out a little cry before that had happened, and the other warriors who were all around, all of Nimrod's men, they heard that, and they came running. Esav quickly grabbed the cloak that was on Nimrod's body. He, the famous hunting cloak, the one that had magical properties on it. The Dasdakinim says that this cloak had pictures of every animal on it. The animals looked so real that when you walked wearing this cloak, the animals looked like they were moving. All the animals looked like they were moving from one place to the other. Now the Dasdakinim says that each one, this cloak, animals were attracted to it, and because of that, they would come to the man wearing it, and they would bow down to the person that was wearing such a cloak, and allow themselves to be trapped, which is why Nimrod was such a great trapper. The cloak originally belonged to Adam Rishon. He got it from the skin of the Nachash. The Nachash's shed skin was this cloak. Okay, That was given over to him. It was given to Hanoch. Hanoch gave it to Mesushalach. Mesushalach gave it to Noah. Noah brought it on the Teva. That's how he brought all the animals to the Teva. Chom stole it when they left the Teva. He gave it to Nimrod. Nimrod had it and now it was stolen from Nimrod and given over to Esau. And then it gets even better. Pirkei de Rebelezer and Parachov, Dalit and Bracious Rabba, Samach Gimel, Yud Gimel, say seemingly that this was the cloak that Yaakov Avinu had taken and kept it and eventually this may have been the Ksonis Pasim of Yosef that they added on sleeves to it and that became the Ksonis Pasim of Yosef. Okay, that, it's an amazing little thing. When the other men found Nimrod and they saw that the guards were dead, they traced Esau's track and they followed them. Esau threw them off track, hid this place, hid that place, went all over the place. When he was done with everything, it was days later, weeks later, months later, and then he came back to the house where Yaakov Avinu was, starving and hungry, running away from the men of Esau, saying, I need something to eat right now. He had been afraid for so long that he, he hadn't had it. Either way, I'm just going to end with this. Revolson says, Avram Vino and Nimrod, if this is all correct, if this goes through, now we do have a little bit of the issue of it's possible that he was hiding for a few weeks beforehand. It seems they died on the exact same day. Yaakov and Esau also, although they didn't die on the same day, they were both buried on the same day. It seems that there's a connection that when one dies, the other has to go as well. So Gemara and Tainus, when, uh, it might not be in Tainus, it might be in Chagiga. I think it might be in Chagiga. When Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania died, Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania, who fought with Trajan, who fought with Hadrian, who fought with all the minimum of his time, when Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania passed away, he said, they said to him, Rabbi, what are we going to do with all the minimum? What are we going to do to argue with them? And he said to them, you don't have to worry. When I die, they're all going to die as well. Every single one of them. That when Kedusha passed away, you have to have the Tuma go along with it. Once the powers of Nebuah went away, the powers of Abodazar went away as well. That concept is there, says Revolts, and it stems from this, where Avram and Nimrod died on the same day, the two mortal enemies who stood for eject opposites in this world, it's not a coincidence that they died on the same day, that Esau killed them at that point. It makes sense throughout all of history. Uh, I wish it could. I don't know. No, but you're right. Why? We need to hear Haman and Mordechai then. Haman and Mordechai? Wouldn't that make them both heads? Maybe there was somebody else, unfortunately, that passed away at the same time as Haman, but it wasn't Mordechai. Right. There was somebody else. So wouldn't that be the opposite? But why not Daniel? Hasak passed away the day before. Hasak was killed on the way by Haman. So maybe Haman died with Hasak, meaning Daniel and Haman were equal to one another. In fact, Daniel and Haman have the same gematria. That's a cool shot. Yeah, what's up? <laughs>
past that every time a Russia dies, this is the concept. This is the concept. They, they did something regarding all the recent Sadiqim trying to figure out who it was. It's kind of evil because you're looking at like, who is the exact, who is the greatest evil person to have died around this Sadiq? That's kind of an evil thing to do. But I, regardless, that's the concept that they say, and this is the concept. It stems from over here. All right, everybody. will dive in my 